The Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will soon be able afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I'm excited to get to this gospel today. Tell you what, if I can get unwrapped here, there we go. So, who's first? Please remove your shoe and sock, the offending appendage. Uh, All bracelets and jewelry need to come off on the offending hands. And of course, Glasses, whether they're just reading glasses or otherwise, you'll want to remove those on your offending eye. Hey, we're going to have one sharp knife in our church uh, kitchen now. How about that? So we're going to need to move probably all this stuff off the table in order to get this done, right? So if we can just get all this stuff moved aside, we can get, we can get ready here. So who's, who's first? I mean, let's take the gospel, the word of God seriously. Who's, who's coming up? Nobody? All right, we'll leave it here for later. Maybe after the sermon you'll be inspired and you can come up for that part, right? Now, do I have your attention? (laughs) Good, because this is important. This, as I've gotten the opportunity to kind of delve into this this gospel over the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks in a row in chapter 9 of Mark, it just becomes more and more apparent just how important this word of Jesus is to his disciples. So important, in fact, that Jesus seems to be doing the same thing I was just doing, speaking in extremes in order to make a point, giving extreme visuals to his disciples in order to make a point. And the first point, kind of the overall point for Jesus is to his disciples is pay attention. This is important. And the extremes, really, if you've been following along, are necessary today because the disciples just aren't getting it. 
In fact, really, this is, this is kind of part two, what we read in our gospel for today, is really part two of the story we began last week. You remember, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. And the disciples don't like that very much, obviously, especially the death. And so they respond by arguing with one another about, about who's the greatest. Because that's kind of what we do when our, when our place or our position, when our leader or when our status is somehow threatened. And Jesus, of course, offers them another way. He takes a, a child, a kid, who was just insignificant in that day, and, and he says that, hey, the one who welcomes this child welcomes me. The one who welcomes this child is the one who's really great. The one who serves is the one who's really great. And we think, okay, well, then the matter is settled last week in part one. But not quite. You see, immediately in the beginning of our gospel for today, immediately after this amazing object lesson that Jesus does to make himself crystal clear about what greatness truly looks like in the kingdom, John comes up and he's like, hey, 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 Jesus, this, this one person over there, he was offering healing and wholeness in your name, but we told him to stop because he wasn't part of our group. <sighs> what Jesus must be thinking inside, the internal sigh, perhaps. But it kind of reminded me of a time when I was in 10th grade, and I was sitting at a table with some friends, and we were doing that kind of, you know, that four- and five-year-old thing that you do, like, my dad's stronger than your dad, my dad can beat up your dad. I don't know if anybody else did that. Kind of, that's how we debated who was the greatest, I guess, back then. But we were in 10th grade at the time, and sitting at our high school lunch table, and there were four of us there, and so we decided to kind of do that in a new way. I don't know why. Don't ask me why, what the purpose was of it. But we just somehow got to that little five-year-old place. And uh, I remember one uh, friend said, well, my dad's a professor in the college, so he's smarter than all your dads. And we kind of laughed. And then the other kid said, well, my dad's an electrician, so he can turn the lights out in your house. And the other kid was like, well, I can beat that. You know, my dad's a construction worker. He can tear your entire house down. Now, I'm telling this story in part because usually I think of these things five minutes later, if anybody else is like that. But for once in the moment, I sat back and I kind of looked at all my friends and I said, oh, yeah? Well, my dad's a pastor and he can send all your dads to hell. <laughs> now, I'm jumping the gun on this, on this gospel. Hell comes later, but, and we'll get to that. But Jesus comes back at John and, and I know you can't wait to get at that fire and brimstone second part in our gospel for today. Jesus is, is kind of cooking in these later verses, but, but I think here is really kind of the biggest dig, the, real, the little sucker punch of the whole passage. Jesus says to John, no, don't stop them. They're doing this in my name. They're acting in my name. Don't stop that. And by the way, John, this isn't about you. That's the part you all aren't getting. It's not about you. It's about the gospel. It's about the good news. It's about freedom and healing to the least of these. If they're doing it in my name, let it go. And then he says this. He says, whoever gives you, the disciples, whoever gives you a cup of cold water will not lose their reward. Now, if you remember, just kind of a hot minute ago, the disciples were unable to cast out an evil spirit from a boy who was suffering, and the dad was pleading for help. And now, 
John notices this outsider is doing what they couldn't. Because of his power or status or whatever? No, because he was using the name of Jesus. He was casting it out in Jesus' name. And I think, I think that's a pretty tall glass of cold water that's poured on the disciples, on their puffed up, their kind of power plays about who's the greatest for both John and for the other disciples as well. So if you want to dig or a sucker punch in this reading, actually, I think that's the one, not the stuff that comes later. But Jesus does. Yes, Jesus now makes a turn in the story. Now he moves from these soft examples, putting a child in the midst of them, talking about service. Now he moves from those soft examples to disturbing images. Because the way the disciples are headed, I think this is why he uses them, because the way they're headed will undermine the gospel. If it's going to be about them, if it's going to be about their status and their position, if it's going to be about their club against the other ones, even though they're using Jesus' name, it's all going to come crashing down. And so Jesus focuses on their judgment. And he focuses that, especially when he talks about their vision, their action, and their path. First off, there will be no in-group and out-group. Now, don't hear me wrong here. This is not sort of anything goes. But those who are doing the work of God in Jesus' name are allies. They're not competition. We're not in in competition with the other churches in our area, right? We're allies with them. I remember the story of a a young person. This feels like 100 years ago. But we went on on this youth trip, and this was a kid who'd just been struggling with a lot of different things and, and, um, and, you know, I'd been working with him and the family and all this kind of stuff, but he just, you know, it just seemed like over and over again, it was just stumbling, 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 right? To kind of carry from the gospel today. And we went on this trip and we went uh, up to this place and there were, there were other leaders there. And I remember there was this, there was this one guy and, and his background was in the Pentecostal church. And as a leader, sometimes I would, I would sort of just like wince a little bit maybe at the things he said because he kind of saw things a little bit differently than I did from my Lutheran lens and from his Pentecostal lens. But here's the really interesting thing. After months and months and even years of work with this this young person, I didn't feel like I'd gotten very far. And this Pentecostal leader, in one night, in a conversation with this young person, there was a complete transformation. And I have to admit to you, for a moment in that, in the next morning when that all kind of became clear and, there, and it really was this amazing transformation, for a moment I thought, well, you know, you should have come and got me or you should have been. And then I thought, why am I thinking that? Thanks be to God that this has happened. And thank you for the words that you were able to speak that I wasn't in Jesus' name, for the power that you brought, for the mercy that you brought, for the healing that you brought in Jesus' name. Well, now Jesus gets a little more, uh, I, mean, I mean, having a millstone thrown around your neck and being cast into the sea, I don't want to take away the power of Jesus' words. He's not suggesting, of course, that if we mess up, we're to put a millstone around ourselves and go out to the Hood Canal and, and, and that kind of thing. But he is wanting the disciples, he's needing the disciples who are going to carry this message after he's gone. And for us who continue to carry this message of good news, He needs us to know how important it is, how critical this message is, why it matters to the life of the world. 
Now Jesus moves on to the eyes and to the hands and to the feet. But notice, even here, the direction of the surgery, and this really is really important, the direction of the surgery is not at others. Jesus says, if your foot or your hand or your eye causes you to stumble, you cut it out or you pluck it out. It's imperative that this surgery be self-reflective. So our time isn't wasted on some sort of stat sheet on the sins of others or how they've messed up or caused a stumbling for someone else. In fact, to summarize Jesus, if you want to reach out, if you want to look outside yourself, then look outside in service and in love towards others. Give them the grace upon grace upon grace that you have received. If you want to reach in, it's not about puffing yourself up. It's not about finding your status and your place in that particular way. If you want to look in, get surgical. Get surgical so that you are free then to reach out and that you are able even to reach out. If you are going to share me, Jesus says, then see me, then follow me, you know, your eyes, your feet, and then act, your hands, according to to my will. And this is my will for you. This, is, this matters to the world. Now, I got to say, all of that may seem like, okay, well, I, I really got to get in. You know, I got to get in there, and I got to really cut this stuff out, and I got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. Th- this isn't ultimately a call to be perfect, to just, you know, perfectly cut everything out so that you never, ever cause a stumbling block to anyone else or yourself. It's not a call to be perfect, because if it is, I'd have to say I'm out, honestly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm tired, right? As we've kind of gone in this roller coaster of a pandemic, as we face all of these issues in our world, I find myself getting tired. There are days when I feel like, okay, get the crowbar, you know, to my wife. Get the crowbar and pry me out of bed to face this day. I am frustrated at times by a whole bunch of things. I feel powerless by things that I can't control. And then I, I, I look at the world and I look at all that's going on. I look at all the, the incredible hardships that others are facing. And I'm ashamed. Those who've experienced tragic losses in their lives. Those who are, are trying to recover from, from terrible natural disasters or political unrest or the, the results of years and years of war. I'm a little ashamed to be where I am at times. I'm not there all the time, but at times I am. And I would would confess that if this is a call to perfection through dismemberment, I will be a pastor for you who is blind in both eyes and without any hands or feet to show for myself. I will be in those fires of Gehenna. That's the word, by the way, that Jesus uses for hell. Gehenna Gehenna was a specific place where where garbage, where trash was burned outside the city of Jerusalem, and and it would kind of just go and go. It was like this eternal fire kind of thing that kept going and going and going. And I think Jesus might here be doing something like a professor of mine did for our preaching class years ago. He said to us, as a preacher, you don't need to preach hell to people. They are very aware of what it looks like. It's all around them. Preach the good news. Preach a way home, a way of wholeness, and a way of healing. 
That's the word that is so critical here. You know, I said before that, and and I know you knew I was joking because nobody came up, right? But I said before that we would have to make space on this table if we're going to work on this gospel dismemberment, dismemberment. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. You see, these tools are taken away because there is one who is taken apart. There is one who is dismembered. There is one who stretches out his hands and his feet and offers himself for us. So that when we get to that place of despair, when we are stumbling over our own cares, the cares of the world, or whatever might trip us up, Jesus says, I have taken all of that upon myself. I am the one who gives sight to the blind. I am the one who unfolded the withered hand of the man in the assembly of God's people. I am the one who makes the lame to walk again. That is what's critical. That is what matters in Christ's message for us. And yes, it is absolutely critical to this world how we live that out, but that is the place that we start. The place of grace, the place where we are healed, the place where we are made whole, the place where we see a new vision of ourselves and of the world and our place in it. The place where our hands are energized to work, the place where our feet are given a direction and a path to walk that has meaning and life in it for us and for others. Come to this place of grace, the water, the word, and Christ himself dismembered for us so that we might be remembered, put together as one body of Christ in this world. Thanks be to God for this message of grace. Amen.